Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we're back after about a week off. Chase was on vacation and it just wasn't ideal to set up a time mid-round. Uh, mid so uh, we're right in the middle here. Uh, the Game 7s of the weekend just ended last night. So we had five of them, which was pretty amazing. Uh, and round two starts tomorrow. So we have a ton to talk about. We're going to get right into it today because we've got some non-playoff news too. But we're going to go through the goal today is go through every series, quickly recap what happened, um, do a short little eulogy maybe on the team that lost and just kind of where they go from here. Uh, and then obviously preview the second round as well. Um, so we're going to try and do all of that within probably an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, this might be a little longer of an episode, but we're going to try and keep it uh, reasonable is what I would say. Um, so let's just get right into it. Let's start in the East. Uh, one of the ones that didn't go seven games, uh, Florida Panthers versus Washington Capitals. Florida wins four to two. Uh, I, I wish we wrote down. I, I think I had this exact, uh, just pulled out my bracket here. I think I had this exact thing happening. Um, where Florida won in six. I don't know about you, Chase. I know you had Florida. I couldn't remember if it was in five or six, though. Um, Mine was shorter, I think. I think it was okay. five. Yeah, I had Florida in six. Um, a closer series than I would have predicted, to be honest. I don't know about you. I don't know how much you had to watch of this, but Washington, they, they played better. I'll give them full credit. They played a lot better than I uh, was expecting them to. This series would have made me incredibly worried as a Panthers fan. The Capitals yeah. are not a good team, and they they were arguably better than them in the series. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it was very clear that we saw what the Panthers' high-end talent could do. Um, and, like, yeah, I would say it was close to 50-50. Like, the Panthers had 51% of the expected goals and about 55% of the uh, Corsi 4 percentage, I think it was. Um but again, like that puts them, there's yeah, 55.95, which was some 30 Corsi 4 percentage, um, but it puts them seventh in expected goals. So the only team, like the, the team that was below them was Toronto and Tampa uh, in eighth and ninth. And of course, they're going to be 50-50 because that series was so close, right? Um, so like being the seventh team, I don't think is necessarily a good thing. And like, yeah, like this Washington team, especially the Washington team didn't have Tom Wilson for the whole series. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're like the soft out in the East. Now the Rangers are debatably in there too. But like that was probably the dream matchup and it did not look that way for the Panthers. And they did win, but. Yeah, and I mean, like it, it was pretty obvious that like Florida is a team that no matter what you do to them, you have to keep your foot on the gas because they can just yep. snap off four goals whenever they want. Yeah, Absolutely. Because they, but, they just yeah. have so much offensive depth, too. Like, Carter oh. Verhege went god mode for them this year, for this season. Exactly. Series. Yeah, like, and any line can do it to you, right? So it's not like, like, good luck. If you shut down the Barkov line, Huberto's line might be there. If you shut down that line, yeah, Verhege might be there with, um, what was that? I think their third line was uh, Sam Bennett, um, who they trade for Buff, Reinhardt, and, like, yep. Verhage or something like that. Like, it's just, it's a murderer's road all the way down the lineup, right? So... Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, it wasn't the exact dominance I thought that they might, uh, might be showing. And I don't know, I, I would be, I'd be a little bit worried. That's for sure. I do think though, I, I kind of wonder what you think in terms of, you know, sometimes people say, and a lot of this can be just narrative too, but you know, you think back to some of the cup teams that faced adversity in round one, like I, I think specifically that 2018 Washington team where it looked like they were going to lose to 
I can't remember who it was in the first. Was it Carolina in the first round? Or Columbus? Um, I don't remember they, who it was, to be honest. They were almost down 3-0, though, in the first round. And yeah, they, they ended up storming back and just looked like such a different team um, after that. I kind of wonder if it, that's kind of a thing here, too, with Florida, where it's like, all right, now they have their legs underneath them. They're going to play better from here on out. Yeah, I mean, if there's a Panthers fan, you better hope what that is. Because if you play like you did against Washington against Tampa, you're going to get your teeth kicked in. Yeah, exactly, right? It was Columbus, by the way. Columbus was up 2 yeah. nothing, and then almost had the overtime goal for the three that like, came back. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a case of um, you need to play better than this because – as I said, you had a better expected goals than Tampa through the first round, but that's because Tampa had a much, much harder opponent than you, um, which we'll obviously get to in a second. But um, for the Capitals, it's kind of unfortunate. Um, I can't see their team getting better from here. No, their their franchise just exists to get over the goal record at this point. Yeah, like I could see them sneaking into the eighth wild or the second wild card again next year, but even that I don't think is a lock. Like they're going to need. Um, uh, what's his name? The center, McMichael. Yep. They're going to need him to take like a giant step forward. I think next year, if they want to keep like even a semblance of like a competing window open. And yeah, I, I wouldn't even call that a compete. Like I wouldn't call where they are right now. Competing window. I would call them upset potential for around, you know, maybe two, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he's Anton Lundell that next year, which <laughs> would be like a 95th percentile outcome for him. You're still looking at wild card-ish. Yeah, exactly. Like this team just, they've kind of locked themselves into this aging core that, you know, got them a cup and good for them. And it's still a deep, like it's still a fine core. It's just the 15th to 18th best in the league, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. They're still pretty safe as a playoff bet. They'll just be kind of what they were this year. Maybe we'll give them more credit next year as being like a competitive team in the first round or whatever but at the end of the day nobody seriously thinks they're winning anything yeah exactly so um you know this is honestly one of the easier teams to kind of break down that lost i think because we've kind of known what this team is for three years basically yeah yeah they and they're kind of fine with it too right like i don't think washington fans even expect this team to win a cup or anything like that. Like, no, like every- they, they got they got their cup. Now it's about Obi getting the goal record and just playing competitive hockey, you know, like yeah, they know what they are, and uh that's okay. Um yeah, let's go to the next series then. Tampa Toronto. Um we said we'll, we'll put a disclaimer on this. We plan on doing a full breakdown of the Toronto Maple Leafs in a week or two. We want to get at least one, maybe two guests on to get some different viewpoints on it. Um, and you know, kind of uh Dubis's term as a whole as well. So we will definitely be getting some names on if we can make those dates work in a week or two. And uh, our plan is probably to do a 45 to an hour podcast of that. And then also have maybe a 30 minute podcast looking at the week's games in the playoffs, because we don't want to do just a Toronto play uh, thing when the playoffs are still going on. But um, if you wonder why we kind of dance around the, what does Toronto do next? That's because that will come. That will come for sure. Um, Let's get to the series, though, because it is worth talking about this series. This was – the first four games of this were pretty surprising, but the last three was everything this series predicted to be in some absolutely amazing hockey. Yeah, 100%. It was weird because the first first half was even just in a stupid way. 
Yeah. <laughs> like the, all the XG numbers and the goal differential numbers were all really close together, but it happened in the strangest way possible. Yeah, it happened where both teams just traded five goal leads with each other throughout uh, game one, yeah. two, three, and four, right? So, um, but yeah, and then game game five, like Toronto comes up to that three nothing lead, but Tampa makes it close and can't you know come back all the way. But that third period was amazing, and then that game. Um, game six and game seven. I know Toronto fans won't want to hear it, but like game six was one of the best hockey games I've watched in a while, to be honest. It was an amazing hockey game. The outcome, uh, I hate it, but like, I definitely yeah, hate. which fair enough. But, um, and game five, you know, too. Yeah, sorry, I should, it's game three is the one I was saying. Game five was one of the best hockey games I've seen in a long, long time as well. Like the Leafs storming back after going down two nothing. It was game three where the Leafs went up three and then held it. Um, yeah. But game five, the Leafs storming back down to nothing. Austin Matthews just with uh, the finishing dagger and the crowd just going nuts. Like that was yeah. that was a really, really, really good hockey game. Game five, six, and even you know seven. It was again, Leafs fans aren't going to want to hear it. But game seven was a, a solid hockey game all around. Um, this is about what you would expect from the series. And again, we'll we'll get into Toronto more maybe, but. This is the first time in a number of years where you could say them losing was just they lost to an equally good team on a coin flip. Yeah, like this has rarely been true since one of the Boston series of the Washington ones, but you obviously shouldn't be happy with this outcome because you want to win or whatever. But if you're going to analyze hockey in a serious way, you have to be fine with results like what happened here. Yeah, and it, it's the case where, you know, we've said a couple times that this happened two, three years ago, everyone would be fine with it. Yeah, you know? if, this, if the Leafs just missed the playoffs when Matthews was a teenager, like most teams do, this would be like the Leafs have arrived series. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, you just, you lose all, I mean, you lose all credibility when you lose to the 19th seed Montreal Canadiens. That was the day, like, yeah, after last awful. year. Yeah, and, and like they have to, and they have to own that. You know, they've dug their own hole here. But this is truthfully the first series in a while because even the Boston ones, you can look and go, "Well, what should their team upgrade?" And, and I think you know we'll get into this goaltending. Maybe you can switch around. I think their depth forwards they could still use maybe a little more offensive touch on the in the bottom six. You know, scratching Jason Spezza for three straight games or whatever it was for Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons to do absolutely nothing but punch some guys in the head when the game's four nothing already to me that's just a little silly when you actually need that offense you know at different times um yeah that was dumb that was incredibly but, dumb but even then like this is a more deeper team than i would say a lot of the past Leafs teams have been you know and even the, some of those boston series you look at it and you go okay well Kadri took himself out of the series two years in a row right yeah um both Boston series, I'd argue too, their decor sucked. The right, the right side of their defense, they were playing like Roman Polak 20 minutes a night in one of those Boston series. Well, that was the other thing too, because the infuriating part of with this, now that they have lost, is all summer long, people are going to pretend that it was obvious they were going to lose the entire time because LOL Toronto. But like in those series against Boston, you could point to the tactics of you would just key in really heavily on Gardner and Riley in the playoffs. And then with no right-handed defenseman to move the puck, there's actually a tactical reason why uh, the Leafs were choking repetitively in the playoffs. No such thing existed. There exists at this point. 
or at least nothing good and reasonable that I've seen. So like, it just was a coin flip that didn't go your way. Yeah. I mean, they lost to an equally, like they lost to the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. hundred percent. And again, like any other team slash scenario, that would be acceptable. Totally acceptable. Yeah. And it's understandably not for Toronto fans. Yep. Yeah. They should be pissed off, but like. It's still the facts. Like. Yeah. It's and, a path dependency thing, right? Like you're here and you can't change that you're here, but like just looking at this series or whatever. Yeah. yeah these things happen. Yeah. And I will say, I think the one thing to be rightfully maybe critical if you're a least fan is, you know, I thought Vasilevsky, and part of this, I think it should still be on to give credit to Toronto, though, is Vasilevsky looked really human in this series. Now, yeah, that's a compliment. Yeah, some of that in the playoffs. Exactly. Some of that should be, oh, that probably means Toronto has a lot of good shooting talent. And I, I thought they did a really good job of throwing just every body to the net to try and get deflections in front because if Vasilevsky's seeing a puck, there's a good chance he's stopping it, right? And they just said, okay, let's let him see the puck as little as possible then. And that's a good tactic for a goalie that's as good as him, right? But, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, and I I honestly, I thought Vasilevsky stole game seven. You know, people are going to come out of the series. He did. Oh, Vasilevsky didn't steal a game. He stole game seven. And that was the one that matters most. Exactly. And that was kind of the worry heading into game seven is like, we really haven't seen like peak Vasilevsky yet. And he showed up. The other thing I think, and and again, like I think this can be a compliment to Toronto. Nikita Kucherov was fucking invisible at five on five. Yep. Yeah. He didn't do a thing. A lot of the series, Stamkos didn't look good either. Yeah. It was like, I thought Point and Sorelli were the two big ones, five on five for Tampa. And then obviously Kucherov, Stamko, they all did their thing on the power play, got their cookies there. But yeah, but. they're going to do that. Was the, the roughing surprised me to say nothing yes, else? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we should get into that a little bit too. Um, a part of me goes, okay, we can't all bitch and complain that nothing gets called in the playoffs all year long. And then when stuff actually gets called, we can't turn around and bitch and whine about that as well. Um, Inconsistency definitely was an issue. You know, I, I think there's fair gripes to be had for some Toronto fans in game six, especially, and then in game seven as well. Uh, the one thing I will say right now, I don't know how the Toronto fans are complaining about that Justin Hall penalty. That is a penalty every goddamn time. I'm losing my mind seeing people saying that never gets called. I have never seen a guy get bodied off the puck carrier. He's chasing within the puck and then not be called interference. Sure, if he yeah. may be... If he maybe would have bumped into him and the guy would have stood on his feet, maybe that doesn't get called. I have never seen a guy just absolutely truck another dude like that and it doesn't get called. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it was pretty. It was very obvious pick play in Game Seven of the playoffs. I'm actually still surprised they called it. But like, we can't. They should we, have called it. Yeah, but like, we can't. We can't sit there and complain did. that they like all year. We go, well, it's stupid how much the refing changes in the playoffs. And then they call what, like, that would have been a call on game whatever of the regular season, right? Yep. One, game 43 15, of the regular 82. season, that's yeah. a call every time. So it should be a call in the playoffs. And again, like, I get there's yeah, gripes where be. there's others. There was a missed call on, I think it was Matthews in game six, where a guy was just holding his jersey. I'm not trying to defend the refs there. That was a brutal missed call. There was one, I think, on the opening goal, apparently, with Tampa, where the guy, I think it was Camp, got interfered with. Again, like, that should be a call, too. But... You can't sit here and say the Justin Hall one shouldn't be a call. If you want to argue consistency, that is fine. 
But yeah. to me, I, I like I've just had to start looking at it. like just because they let one or two stupid things go doesn't mean they should double down and make another wrong call on purpose. Yeah, it's like a two wrongs don't make a right thing. Right. Um, but you know, and the refing, I think overall in the playoffs, the one thing I will say is uh, you know, that there's been some stuff that I don't even know when got called the regular season. Like there was a couple times where it was like, I think it was Tavares in game five, maybe no four when they were getting killed, where he like he tapped the dude's pants and got a hooking call. And like there was a couple of the Boston series too, and a couple of West as well. Like just in every series where it's like, all right, I have no problem calling the rule book, but don't call stuff that you weren't even calling in the regular season, you know? Yeah. felt like they went a little too far. Like I, I like the general concept of not letting stupid stuff go for no reason, but yeah, I think they went a little far with it. And then they would miss obvious ones. Like the, the Matthews one was one of the worst things I've ever seen not get called. Yeah, just absolutely brutal. And like, I think it like was, it's one thing when it's a bad trip or whatever, but it's like, if you miss a trip, like you can't go back and have seen it, right? Like it just, you, you could have had your head the other way, right? For a second. Yeah, exactly. But you had 15 seconds to look at the best player on the ice once <laughs> and they just didn't do it. Yeah, or did it and went, no, that's fine. I can see his jersey being tugged nine times the size, but that's okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I think it was uh, Calgary-Dallas that had, like, six, four on four, so the first three games, too. It's like, okay, like, you wouldn't do that in the regular season, so don't do that now. Just take the first guy. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but, um, yeah, that, that's all I'll probably say on the refing. But um, if you want to look forward here and preview Tampa, Florida quick, uh, you know, one of the things that has to change is Kucherov has to step up, especially because it looks like, you know, Point who went down in game seven there, he's doubtful for game one. Um, I would be pretty shocked if he plays in game one or two. I would assume it'll probably be about a week before he even has a chance to get back. Like that looked like a, a pretty serious knee injury. Um, if he's even back at all, to be honest, and I doubt he'll be fully healthy if he is. So um, Kucherov and, you know, Stamkos to a lesser degree, but definitely Kucherov needs to step up and look, much more present at five on five because I, I literally barely noticed him when it wasn't on the power play in a lot of those games. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, much of a stretch to say he was like legitimately bad for a lot of the series. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, on, on Florida's side, it's going to be, um, can this offense get through and create uh, trouble for Vasilevsky? Um, because, you know, that's, they're going to have to do a lot of what Toronto did. I think, you know, they're, they're not going to, um, and again, against a goalie like Vasilevsky, I, I think if you're Florida, you got to be careful because you're not going to be able to rip off three goals in, in two minutes. Like you did against the caps a couple of times all the time against Vasilevsky either. Right. Like that's not, that's not going to happen where you go end to end and just score four in two minutes. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're struggling to win the XG battle against the team with John Carlson as his number one defenseman, like you better have something up your sleeve for Victor Hedman and the crew. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and Braden points a massive loss. He was one of that line of point, uh, was it point Kalorn and um, Palat, I think. Yeah. I think, I think point was their best non headman player in the series. I would agree. And Kloran was really good too. He had a 59% Corsi for 56 expected goals. Um, Zach Bogosian was surprisingly very good too in a depth role. Like just yeah. kind of, just kind of did kinda what he had to do. Who he's been. Like he was just kind of there and he's fine. He's yeah. And like then, an underrated amount of value in a guy who's just consistently 
Exactly. And then that fourth line of Brandon Hagel, uh, Pat Maroon, or uh, Maroon's on Perry's line, but Brandon Hagel, Ross Colton, and Nick Paul. Like, they they caused a lot of trouble, too. They were the leader in expected goals for uh, Tampa's forwards there. And then, um, you know, Pat Maroon was up there, too, which is a little surprising because Corey Perry and Pierre Mabellamore were two of the worst forwards for Tampa. Yeah, and that line was good this season, too. Then it sucked in that series. Yeah, I think they kind of just got really drawn into a lot of the uh, – like when Toronto made the shift to having a more of a skilled fourth line, it just you could tell they couldn't keep up. Yeah, well, they can't, right? Like, Yeah, exactly, right? And that's kind of how Toronto has to play, to be fair. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. You that Once Toronto realized that they should have been all along, which is an offensive first team, that was like Corey Perry and Belmar can't hang with that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like – Edmund was really good. He played a ton of minutes and just kind of Edmund you know, was amazing. 54% expected goals, 50% or just under 50% Corsi. Like he was, he was what you expect him to be basically just eats up half the game and does it at a good pace as well. Right. Like, um, yeah. And it sucks that it was against the Leafs, but it was nice to see. Cause like in the playoffs last year, when you're so clearly playing hurt, like you're watching Victor Hedman, but you know, you're not watching Victor Hedman. This was who we thought he was. Yeah, exactly. And like even the playoffs last year, I thought as it went on, it was weird. He almost looked healthier as he it went on. Like he still posts like a 53 expected goals, but it was McDonough yeah. that was that big pair last year. Yeah. McDonough had a um or sorry, yeah, no, uh he was 51% expected goals, but it was McDonough who got kind of kicked in. Luke Shen was rocking a 62% expected goals percentage last year in the playoffs. Eight games though, so take it as Jesus. you know. But yeah, um yeah, no, like Victor Hedman looked back to normal Victor Hedman. The, the Norris, the awards came out, and he was, as we predicted, that third guy who probably third with a bullet, where like everyone had him third on the ballot, and then just depends yeah. how they had McCarr and Yossi. Yeah. Maybe I, not everyone. McAvoy might get a couple votes, but. Yeah, a couple of the, the more fancy stats writers probably give him a vote or two at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think Flor- I'm really excited to see Florida and Tampa. Obviously, they played last year. I think Tampa won in six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sounds and it right. was, it was a violent series, a very violent series. I would expect a lot of the same this year, to be honest, but I think this Florida team's even better. Um, I'm still going to go Tampa. Though. I'm going to go Tampa in seven games. I was also going to say Tampa in seven, mainly just because this is me going against every principle because I would usually be the person who comes here and argues about in favor of large sample sizes, but that capital series worried me very much. Yeah, it worried me too. And it just kind of like almost the opposite too with Tampa where it's like, yeah, they clearly just, they got their feet wet with Toronto now too. Not like they, they got pushed the edge by Toronto, but I think they're just going to build off of this now too. And I could yeah. see them just carrying that momentum right over. Yeah. I forgot Florida had to play Tampa in the first round last year. That well, is that tough. was in the first round too. Yeah. It? Yeah. Because Florida, it makes sense because Florida hadn't won around since 96. Yep. Yeah, true. So they would have had to get bounced in the first round last year. And yeah, because Tampa went 4 2 against Florida, 4 1 against Carolina, 4 2 against, or 4 3 against the Islanders, then 4 1 against Montreal. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's move on then to the next series. Um, let's go, let's go Carolina Boston. We'll go with the other wildcard series. Um, again, a very close series, how we thought it was, or like how we thought it might go, but not in the, the way we thought it would be. Like, no, this was a weird one. This the home team just dominated every single game of this series. Yeah, 
literally every game. Yeah, this was Carolina. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say this was admittedly this year as I watched the Leafs because it was the least because it was always on at the same time as the Leafs games. Yeah, they they already started though. They always started right before the Leafs game. So I, I watched this. I'd watch a lot of the first and then somewhat of the third as well. Uh, but the thing is, this game was so far out of hand by the second and third period most of the time. I didn't care to watch. Like yeah, exactly. Which is weird because neither of these two teams. Like both these are good defensive teams, especially Boston. <laughs> kind of expected more of like a one-one, two-nothing kind of series or whatever. But, but I really this thought weird. this. I really thought this would be the potential of like two, three, four overtimes in it, and it didn't have all, any at all. Like Carolina wins five-one and five-two at home. Go back to Boston. Boston dominates without Charlie McAvoy, four-two and five-two at home. Uh, yep. Go back to Carolina. It's five-one. It's not even close. Game six back in Boston, five-two again. It's not even close. And then the only close game was 3-2, which the second goal came with a minute or 20 seconds left, sorry, uh, for the Game 7 win. Um, and even that, it was like once Carolina took the lead, it was like, yeah, they're probably not giving this bat, this, this thing up. Yeah. So um, just a strange series overall, to be honest. But um, I think you have to – we have to look at this from a uh, Boston perspective first. A lot of talk about was this their last kind of ride? Um, I think this was probably their best chance, their last best chance, quote unquote, to win a cup. Yeah, they're especially if Bergeron isn't certainly coming back. If he's not coming back, this team is going to be like Washington, basically. Maybe a little yep. better, but the window's shut without Bergeron. Yes, yeah, absolutely. They will be the seventh or eighth best team in the league. You know they'll make the playoffs, but they're probably not making a pass round two at most. Um, I think I think Bergeron will come back. He's still got. I don't. I could see. It. I think he will come back for. I think he'll for sure sign a one year deal, maybe a two year deal. I could see something like that. It's it's always good. I think in hockey to bet against the massive change. Yes, and like to be fair, Bergeron's put a ton of miles on his body. That dude's gone through so many injuries. Yeah, yeah, but, and. Yeah, like if he just straight up retired, be like, like yeah. first ballot Hall of Fame career. Like, oh yeah, he totally he'd be, he'd be that sense head, for you. Headliner as soon as he's uh, like good to walk in. Whether it's what's three years I think after, five years after you retire, whatever it is. Yeah, it'll be a first ballot, just done. No, nobody even thinks about it, kind of thing. Yeah, um, you know, and that's obviously. But he was still so good the series, dude. Like he had yeah. a seventy-one percent expected goals rate in the series. He's like. Plausibly a top five center in the league still. Yeah, like top ten for sure. Yeah. So yeah, easily I know, top I, ten. I think he'll come back first. I hope he comes back too, because he's still so much fun to watch. Um if he comes, but even if he comes back, like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, how many years can Brad Marshall keep having a career year? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's the funny thing because this happens on least Twitter all the time. It's like Boston is going to fall off. It's just when they they've been really good at outrunning it for a while, but it's not going to last forever. Yeah, it's almost to the same degree as like Pittsburgh and Washington too. You like you know these teams will eventually have to go and rebuild again. Yeah, and Washington it looks like it's starting to creep up now. Pittsburgh will get to them. It might happen sooner, you know, in the next year or two. Um, but it really depends on Sid and Malkin. Um, but yeah, like Boston, it will happen for Boston. It just depends how long they can go off with this, but. Um, yeah, they, they still have a good team and everything. It's just, you know, you basically, you have to take it year by year at this point. Like you have to have 
Bergeron yep. coming back at every year and just hope that he is still playing at basically the level he's playing at right now. Yeah, exactly. And as long as it keeps happening, it'll probably be competitive. And the second it doesn't, you need to make serious changes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, you know, they were kind of a prime spot. I think people like really penciled like Timo Meyer to them a lot to try and take that role, at least when, you know, Bergeron retired. Obviously, Timo Meyer's no Patrice Bergeron, but at least they still would have a 1C there. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to have to do something extreme. Yeah. Like Jack Eichel was the other name that people threw around a lot to them. I could have been cool. Hurdle was another one, but that's yeah, sorry. I think uh, Hurdle's who I was confusing with Timo Meyer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like that kind of name. They're going to have to definitely do something when Bergeron retires, but let's hope that's not this year because I, I think he's still got another couple of years of good hockey left in him. Yeah, agreed. Um, I don't think, like, I, I really don't have much more to say on this series. It was strange how back and forth Jeremy Swayman steps up and takes the starters role for Boston. Um, I'm a little surprised he didn't start to begin with. He was really good down the stretch. Like, I know Olmark was too, but Swayman was your better goalie by a lot this year, I thought. Yeah, I kind of felt like if you were going to win, you were going to do it via Swayman getting hot. So what do, I would have played him first, but he provides that to the right decision. Yeah, exactly. He provides that upside, I yep. thought, too. But, um, yeah, I yeah, guess like it's... it's- Feels like you're more likely to get the Matt Murray run from him than Linus Allmark or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess it's a bit of a moot point. Um, you know, I, I think next year Swain will take the starters net. But on the other side, Anti Ranta played really well. Um, you know, I think obviously it's not a big enough sample size yet. You know, it could come crashing down. But I do think this is leaning more into the data points of uh, Carolina just makes all goaltenders look really good. Yeah, they're and there's. Defense is really good, so it would make sense. And yeah, the team's so, good defensively. Like, it would, it would really check a lot of boxes. Yeah, absolutely. But um, still, Ransom did play well. Like, you got to give him credit where credit's due as well. You still have to go out and make the stops, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on this series personally. I don't, I don't know about you, but. Yeah, like I said, I missed a bunch of it thanks to the, it being on with the least game, so. Um, let's go to one that honestly kind of pisses me off to even talk about. The New York Rangers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in seven games. I hated this series so badly. This is so frustrating, dude. If you would have told me the Rangers won in seven because Shesterkin was a god, I'd have been like, fine. If you would have told me the Rangers just barely won in seven games because they gave Crosby another concussion and Louis Domingue played five or six of the seven games. I mean, like, are you serious? And again, it's not the Rangers' fault. Play who you are put in front of, right? But this really, you know what we just talked about? That was Boston. This really felt like Pittsburgh's last great window to kind of go for it. And it's shut now. And Sidney Crosby was like the best player in the first round when he played healthy. That was sweet to watch. Yeah, it literally, like, especially right before he got that concussion, the two games before looked like, the closest thing I've seen to any game one, two, the closest thing I've seen to Pete Crosby in a number of years. I was just going to say that you're watching it. It's like, this might be like Pete said. Yeah. He was just straight up better than everyone else. Every time he stepped on the ice. And yeah. I close. I totally agree. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what they do this off season. Uh, Malcolm Latang's up. I don't, did you see the report? Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, they, were yeah, 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 they offered him five mil by three years for, uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, 
It might yeah. be. I don't. I don't have a belief, reason to believe it's not. But at the same time, that seems extremely low. It really does. And I also wonder if a lot of times when you hear we hear those numbers, it's like the team doesn't even think it's going to get signed, even if they did throw it out there to begin. They're with. just throwing it out there to have a baseline down, where it's like we'll just see. Everybody just read the anchoring chapter and thinking fast and slow. So both sides throw a stupid number. Like, I'm sure if we heard what the players all ask for right off the bat, too, we would also all be like, this is insane. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. Like, what do you do with Malkin? I think if you're Pittsburgh, you probably just try to bring him back. I think you have to, because, like, this team isn't winning a cup without a great two C, right? Yeah. But I can't, you can't give Alkin a pay. Rate. I can't even see you given what he's given you the past couple of years. You can't be paying Malkin like nine mil. Like he needs to take it in like a, a three by seven or something like that. Yeah, that would be a good contract. Whether he's willing to sign it. I don't know. I don't think he will be because you know why? Because it's okay. Malkin. Well, yes, but like, you know what comparable he, I think he's going to use Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, yeah. Backstrom too. Kind of maybe the OV one too, but Backstrom signed, uh, Backstrom is a year younger when he signed, but signed what? Four by 9.2. Yeah. And Malkin's, Malkin's been better than Backstrom. I don't know if he yeah. still is today, but like, yeah. So like I, I'm assuming Malcolm will probably ask for 9.5 by four years or something, or however long he wants to sign. But like, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a tough one. So I think if you're in the pens though, you're in, I don't care whether it's a plus EV contract, just bring Malcolm back. I probably, probably. If yeah, because they really don't have too many trade assets is the problem. No, they got nothing. And their prospect they, pool sucks. That's the thing. If there was another like Timo Meyer type player out there, I would almost be like, yeah, go see if you can get that for 7.5 mil. And if Malcolm walks, Malcolm walks. Yeah, but there's their best case would be to try to build in free agency, which has historically been awful. Yeah, and like they have like every contract they have are guys that it's like, ooh, I don't think you're gonna find a player better than this in free agency. Like Brian Rust. No, he's gonna be asking no, for a raise on his 3.5, but you're not getting better, Brian Rust. No, you're not upgrading on the tang in free agency without signing like a boat anchor of a contract. No, and even like Ricard Raquel at 2.4, you're probably not getting what Raquel gave you. You're not getting much better than that for 2.4. Evan Rodriguez at one mil? Yeah, you're like, definitely not beating that unless you sign no. the next Michael Bunting contract. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Kapanen might be the one that they can get at, like, two mil, 2.5 or something like that. But Yeah, that'd be fine. But, yeah, like, you just have a lot of guys here where it's like, yeah, you're kind of losing just a lot of value up front for it. I don't know how you're going to replace all that. They're probably not. They probably take the big step back, I would think. Which is unfortunate. Like I, but. Th- I think they're like a distinct tier ahead of Washington. I'm pretty sure this is the year where that stops being true. I would agree. I, I think, you know, um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, on the New York side of things, 
I just, I don't know, man. This team doesn't inspire much confidence confidence in me. Apparently, they were like historically bad at evens as an XG team, which is just the most New York thing in the world. That doesn't shock me because it looked like that. Even like so, like Shostakin got yanked in games three and four. Those games weren't his fault by any means. No, well, people were mad at Shostakin at one point. It was like he is not the problem. He did not go out and actively steal them the series. Like I think some people thought he might, but it was not his fault. They, he was still a big, he was still a big enough part of it. Like the Rangers suck. I was starting to come around to them because of how much better their numbers looked uh, with like cop and stuff. They're not like a playoff quality hockey team. No, like Shesterkin finished fifth in goal saved above expected in that first round. Yeah, despite getting pulled twice. Twice, yeah. Like, yeah, they're a horrible hockey team relative to. Yeah, the did you did you look at their expected goals? If not, take a guess. Percentage. Yeah. What do What do you think the percentage was? Thirty eight. Very close. Thirty seven point six nine. So basically thirty eight. Oh, that's pretty good. Like. Yeah, that's awful. Close. Yeah, they the shot attempts were about 50-50. They were at forty seven percent. But yeah, quality. It was just they gave they just bled it and didn't create much. Yeah. That's like you're making the Penguins look on average like the Wash or like the uh, Colorado Avalanche were last year when they were massacring everyone at even strength in that division. Yeah. Like, I just, the only. And our, res- our response to that Avs team was saying these guys are like a top three team in history. Yeah, exactly. Analytics era history. And people are like, that's what. That's what the Penguins did to New York every single game. The only Rangers forward that finished above 50% expected goals percentage was Tyler Mott, who played 19 minutes at five on five over two games. Nice. He Everybody on Rangers only... Twitter is convinced this is like a huge good signal for the kids too. And well, I think it was our friend from the podcast, Chris, who had a thread about this as well. Um he was saying this is a huge series for New York. And he said the best thing for them is probably get absolutely blown out of the fucking water. This occurred. Yeah. Because it'll open the GM's eyes. Hopefully to, Hey, we still have to go get more players like Andrew cop for our depth to make it a better team. And even probably have to worry about their top end talent. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Because Panarin and Zibanejad of the world, they're still great on the power play when you give them offensive opportunities, but like, it's a five-on-five driver. It's just not there. And it hasn't been there this year. Aaron looked, like, bad in this series at even strength. Yeah, like I didn't Not just really not good, like, bad, I thought. Yeah, like, and I don't know, like, part of that was sometimes they were getting put out again. Like, Crosby looked just amazing. I don't know if that's part of it, but you're paying Panarin a lot of money. You know, even Pete Crosby, you'd expect him to not look, like, absolutely horrible. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're, I love Sid. He was my first ever favorite player. Uh, he's not peak Sid. And if you're making him look like peak Sid, that's a problem. Like listen to some of these numbers. Justin Braun, 27% expected goals. Jesus Christ. Kevin Rooney, 31. Ryan Lindgren, 32. Frank Vitrano, 33. All those guys played at least four games. Most of them. Yeah, like, you don't Chris Kyder, 34. League is them. No, okay, Andre Miller, 36. Lafreniere, 36. Savannah Jet, 37. 
Truba, well, thirty seven. Convinced this is like a huge showing for Lafreniere too. Yeah, like I thought Lafreniere. Like I mean, granted, I thought that after about three games, not I thought he kind of fell off after the past the last four. Uh, but yeah, like this was, I, man. Adam, your reigning Norris winner had a forty percent expected goals percentage. Adam Fox. Now, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily his fault, but no, Adam Fox could have a problem. But. but yeah, this team just got caved in. Mott yep. was the only player over fifty percent. Then the next player was Patrick Nemeth at forty-eight uh, percent expected goals. Playing like super sheltered minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, and then it went Kako at forty-three, Sheetal at forty-one, and Panarin at forty-one. Nice. So, um, yeah, I think it was. Uh, um, I, I agree with the, the the idea that you know this is a big series because I think it probably would be best that they get massacred so they realize we got a lot of building to do because if they either a take this you you've seen it so many times especially young teams over the years but old teams too look at Ottawa you know a team yep. goes set look at the Islanders too. A team goes seven in, you know, the round two or three. The Canucks in the bubble were another great example, I think. Um, they go game seven against Vegas in a series that Vegas dominated them in. And uh, Demko stole the series. They go, oh, we were in game seven around two. One more goal, we're in round three. We're almost all the way there. Like, we're just going to get better next year. We're good. There's nothing teams love more than believing their own bullshit. Yeah, so... Um, heading in, like, I think this could be a massacre, honestly. I, I think Carolina, it'll obviously depend on Shesterkin, but I think Carolina obviously is just a healthier team. They won't be playing their third string goalie theoretically, I, you know, you would hope. Um, Hopefully. And they have, to be honest, they have the they have much better forward depth. I like Carolina's forward depth a little more than the Penguins wasn't bad by any means, but I think Carolina's got a little more scoring talent where you saw a guy like Max Domi in game seven just pop three points. I think they're going to be able to take advantage of this Rangers depth that also is just very meh. Yeah, they should eat them alive. Like, I'm going to go Canes and five. I think it's just Sturkin steals one. Yeah, I'm going to say Canes and six. That's That was between five and six. For some reason, six yeah. feels like a long series. Five does not. It really does. Listen, I wanted to pick uh, five. You went and I was like, ah, change it up a little bit. Say Canes and six. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I wins two then. I I think, and I think that's fair. Like that's gonna have to be yeah. what happens if they're ranged. because this team I, they're just not a good team. I'm sorry, not five on five. Anyways, yeah. they have a great power no. play. You can't don't give them looks on the power play. That's one thing you cannot do. But five on five, this team sucks. Yeah, and aren't aren't Carolina like the penalty differential gods? I don't. I think so. That sounds like something they would do. And they yeah. have the, I think they have the best penalty kill too, if I'm not mistaken, yep. which yeah, I don't know do. how much of that you control. Like that's pretty fluid from year to year, you know, like that fluctuates a lot. Yeah. That's a tough thing to rely on because the second best was the Leafs. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I, I think you're usually going to, you're going to lean probably good power player or good penalty kill. Yeah. You know how in the NFL, it's like there are good and bad defenses, but if a great defense is playing a great offense, you'd still rather have the great offense. Yeah. I think that same thing is true for the power play penalty kill matchups. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Canes and five. I just, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't like this Rangers team at all, and I will continue making my shtick as a Rangers hater. Agreed. Uh, okay, let's go 
That's the East, I guess, then. That was pretty quick, considering yeah. Toronto's the base team. 45 minutes to give us all a little bit of that. Um, I think the West will be a little quicker, too, obviously. Especially the abs, Brett. <laughs> well, yes, there's a series here that we're going to start with that was just a massacre. Classic East Coast bias, too. I didn't get to quite watch quite as much, although I did watch a ton of the Edmonton series and a good amount of the Calgary series. But, um, yeah, let's start quickly with this abs one. This went exactly how everyone thought it would, especially when they saw Soros was out. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I watched a combined zero seconds of this series. I saw I, Colorado, who we expected to kill them, killing them. And I went, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably watched 10 minutes, maybe. I think I watched like 10 minutes that one where Sorrow, or not Sorrow's Ingram uh, made 49 stops and lost an overtime or whatever it yeah. was. Um, I watched a little bit of that, and that was about it. Yeah, I was like, I, I get this. <laughs> we all know what's happening here. It's okay. Yeah, like, and that's, you know, what everyone kind of expected. And, you know, it would have been, the thing is, like, if Saros was in, I don't even know how much different it would have been. Because it's not like their goaltending played horrible. Yeah, Ingram played, I think he finished among the top goals they would have expected overall in the playoffs. Uh, I'm just looking now, I'm wondering if the fourth game maybe sunk him a little bit. Oh, he, was he did have the one bad one. Yeah, he was eighth in goal saved above average, and then he was slightly negative in goal saved above expected, which bumped him all the way down to 17th. Okay. But yeah, but, like the Avs goal differential and stuff was so absurd. If Soros was prime Hasek, they still would have lost this series. Well, like, yeah, like I, the goal differential, let me just pull up here on all counts, not just five on five. I'm pretty sure this was like a record setting goal differential. I believe it. I don't um, think a single game was like really that. Well, it was just the overtime one. Yeah, but uh, even that to like nine, wasn't really to nine was the goal differential. Jesus. So yes, if you put the best goalie in the playoffs so far, which is Jake Ottinger, who saved ten goals saved above expected, you're still losing this. Yeah, and Jake Ottinger just had like a historic first round. Yeah, like Micah compared his performance to like six hat tricks from a skater. <laughs> like, he, yeah, like 10, 10 goals saved above expected, and we'll get to Andre in a second. But like, yeah, so it just it doesn't matter, you know. Um, and like Kemper got a stick in the eye and didn't even bother playing game four. They're just like, no, we're good. We'll play Frank Suzu. <laughs> we're good. Was, yeah. Yeah. Like we'll just let this guy's eye heal up, which I think yeah. I sound something it is fine now, which is good. It was just some swelling yeah. they want to let down. Um, yeah, this was just a massacre, and I think if you're like, I'm going to be interested to see what Nashville does this offseason. I think we'll, we'll wait to have a big conversation on them because they're definitely another team I think we'll talk about a lot this summer. Um, they really, I hope, I don't think they will because their GM's Poyle, who's 90 years old. There's no way he's going to want to rebuild. But they should be smart enough to look at this and see if they can sell high on any of their players. Yeah, I've never been more confident a team isn't going to do the smart thing than <laughs> these guys. Yeah, but I think yeah, they definitely should. Well, like they're going to let Phil Forsberg. Like, like I don't think they should resign Phil Forsberg, but like you get like everyone was taking a victory lap. They're going to try. Bet. Yeah, well, yeah. like everyone was taking a victory lap when they backdoored their way into the playoffs, just barely by losing to the Coyotes in the last night of the season. And got shit kicked yeah. by the abs in four. And, but everyone was like, 
victory parading. See, look how smart they were to not sell Philip Forsberg. It's like, great. Yeah, I'm really hoping you're happy with these ass kicking over four games. Yeah, it's like congrats. And guess what? The abs still aren't going anywhere next year. So if you try to run back a similar team, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. The abs can get – the abs could lose Nathan McKinnon and still be like 70% favorites against you. Even with how weak this division looks like it might be, like we'll get to St. Louis and Minnesota too, but like like this division looks like it has a lot of teams that are going to be rebuilding. But the Preds are so mediocre – regardless of how much like St. Louis or Minnesota regress, I still don't see a way they're better than like the fourth best team in this division next year. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, and like, I would take Connor. Well, I don't know. Saros, I guess is a bit of an X factor too, but like, I don't think Winnipeg, like I don't hate Winnipeg's roster much more than I hate Nashville's overall roster. I think Roman Yossian is the big X factor there, but yeah, and like this could just be my bias, but I actually know of Winnipeg's prospects. They actually have a couple with upside that I've heard of. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, I don't know. I really don't need to talk about this. This was uh, definitely a series I watched the least. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are in that camp. Let's go to St. Louis, Minnesota. I didn't. I didn't get to watch a ton of this one either. It always started at a weird time when the Leafs games were playing, like nine thirty, and then also like it was just kind of on when the Oilers games were on. So I was trying to watch those two a little more. So I didn't watch a ton of it, but um, Minnesota was very underwhelming. I got to say. Yeah, I didn't watch a ton either, but I was. I had money on Minnesota, and I was really disappointed in the way way that they played. Yeah, like they, I don't know, like it was about 50-50 and expected goals, but I I don't know, like this, uh, I feel like when we were doing our preview, I didn't give enough credit to how much shooting talent this Blues team does have. Yeah, they are a good shooting team. It's clear like we, that they were wildly lucky, but they also are a good shooting team. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, we were kind of looking at the underlying numbers and it was like, oh, like Minnesota really, really devours them in this, but like, this team can choose one of Buchnevich, Tarasenko, or Robert Thomas to play on their third line. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know, like Brandon Saad on your third line. It's like, yeah, that's not bad. Or Jordan Cairo or whatever, right? Like, Yeah. So um, I would still be worried, I think, about this decor against Colorado. Like, that Tory Crew contract has probably quietly got to be up there for one of the worst in the league now, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Five more years at 6.5, and I'm pretty sure they were using him as, like, a number five this playoff. I could be mistaken there, but he has not been what they thought they were signing him to. No, he has not been good at all. And also, like said about the Blues shooting talent, that's true, but they probably don't have the most shooting talent in this series, and one of the teams is going to run them over at five on five. Yeah, I, for some reason, I keep thinking this Blues team might be a bit of a, a matchup for, I, I don't know, like I feel like Colorado, I feel like when they run into teams with some shooting talent, they get in a little trouble with their depth. I don't know why it is. But like, because so like, on paper, they always have good depth. Yeah, exactly. Because like, I like Colorado's depth, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I would probably take the Blues third line, unless you're playing, like, Natushkin's a really good third liner. 
Like yeah. he's not a third liner, but like on a third line. But it's like the Blues have an equally good one. And I feel like in past years, there's been times where the Blues have over, like, or not the Blues specifically, but whatever team, that depth has overwhelmed them. Like a couple of years ago, it was the Hints line in the playoffs that were getting used as more of a third line. That's who beat them. Granted, they had um, Michael Hutchinson in that as well, right? So, yeah, that made everything look worse than it had to. Um, but yeah, like even like Vegas's depth last year really overwhelmed the apps too. Yeah. Yeah. And Vegas was like a legitimately stacked team in terms of depth. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, yeah, the abs, it's not like that was uh, oh my God, how did this team lose in the second round? But um, it was a little surprising too, just how good they were really. Yeah. But. That's, I always find it odd to um, Dom's model has this version of the abs better. I have no idea how that's true. Their XG as a team is like 5% worse, and they look worse on paper in my eye. But Yeah, I, maybe he's got more faith in um, goaltending? I don't know. Yeah, or I don't know if it's maybe just increasing confidence because they kind of ran the league two years in a row, where last year was a bit of an outlier. Yeah, it could be as well. I don't really – I'm not 100% sure as to how, how that number – gets produced to be honest yeah um the one big thing though is uh if, if the blues want any chance of this series colton break has got to be way better he posted a 42 percent expected goals in this last series that's not going to cut it against like i'm assuming he'll be probably matched up against the mckinnon line i would think so that's your best hope you'll get o'reilly against him up front and then perieko against him on d right yeah so um i'm gonna take the abs in six I think Blues yes. will make it. I think the Blues will have a, a decent couple games, but I, I think the Avs will just be better overall. This is the year they get over the hump. I go extra spicy. I don't know if this has ever happened before, but I'm going to pick Avs in four. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> I think that's really aggressive, but happened last year. Yeah. I let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, hey. I'll be interested to see. I, I think this Blues team will play the Avs a little better than maybe we thought last year. Like, this Blues team is deeper, I think, than they are last year in terms of, like, like Brandon Saad switched teams. That is literally something that happened. Yep. That's that's not like a what if. It's like, no, Brandon Saad went from one of these teams to the other. Um, you know, and obviously adding, like, Buchnevich is really a, a big addition that they didn't have last year. So, I think the Blues will have enough where they'll probably, you know, outscore their way out of one or two games. But, and then, you know, the other thing is too, like Billy Huso looked pretty solid um, during these playoffs so far. Like not game stealing or anything like that. He was just a good goalie, and um, you know. But if he can steal a game or two there, that's going to make this whole series. Yeah, it'd be what what you need him to be. Um, Minnesota's another team I want to get into. We'll get into a lot this offseason, so we'll, we'll keep it quick here. But they have some very interesting decisions to make coming up. They yeah, are like. Fiala's a goner. Yep. They're probably never, screwed unless they're smarter than everyone else, which I don't think they are. They're going to need to basically get, like, the value that the Leafs got for, like, bunting um, Kasha in camp this year. But instead yep. of spending the 12 mil the Leafs are on Austin Matthews or whatever, they're just having yeah. 12.7. <laughs> to light it on fire. Cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, Flurry's obviously a UFA after this year. I would assume, I don't know what it'll do in that. They have their prospect, they just dropped in Wallstead. I don't know if he's ready though. Hunter Jones is another name in their minor league system. Um, but yeah, like they, they have 
14. They right now they're sitting at uh, 1.5 in cap space. They have a 12.7 dead cap hit coming. So I would assume 5.1 of Fialas is gone. Uh, and then that's that's their only real big call. 3.5 of Flurry, I guess. So 5.1, 3.5. There's 8.6 plus. Like that's most of what you're plus your 1.5. You're still going to need to make room. You're at 10.1 there. So you're still going to need to clear about $2 million of space and figure out how you're going to replace Jordy Ben, uh, Bukestad, uh, and Fiala, theoretically, if you trade them. Yeah, and try to get better while most of your roster is on the wrong side of an age curve. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, it's it's one of those things where I – this was definitely their best chance to win a round or two, and uh, I'm not sure where this team goes from there, but I have a feeling we'll be talking about them quite a bit uh, this summer, so – Absolutely. We'll just leave it at that. Um, let's get the last two series here. Then we're, we're on pretty good pace. We're almost approaching an hour here. Um, let's start with let's do the wild card one again. I guess Calgary Dallas goes to game seven. Um, just an even thing, series all around, eh? <laughs> Jake Ottinger <laughs> just plays out of his mind. The one thing I want to say here before we get because Calgary was clearly the better team. Yep, but. For how horny everyone was to toot their horn about how good this Flames team is and how built for playoffs they are. And the built for playoffs thing is more because they're just a good team. Yep. But everyone was like, oh, look at the team. They play so defensively sound. They're ready for playoff. Like, this is a playoff built team. We should give a little more flack for playing a style that opens up a lot of variants because they don't score that <laughs> often to allow a team like Dallas to almost get into the second round. Yep, you definitely don't want to invite variants in the playoffs, and that's exactly what they do. Also, I was thinking about this. This made me laugh because even like Dom posts like heavy scores or whatever because we've decided that uh, if, if people have actually started to believe that like heaviness and shit actually matters in the playoffs. You're, we're the same age. I always think it's funny looking back when the two biggest playoff failures when we grew up were a guy who literally had jumbo in his nickname <laughs> and Alex Ovechkin, who's literally a freight train on skates. Yeah. Everyone loved to talk about how much he hits people. Yeah. He's, he's literally a freight train. And those were the two biggest failures of like most of our lives. And now yeah. because of like two years of the Leafs losing, everybody's like, well, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. That's a complete side tangent, but I've been incredibly mad at seeing that over the playoffs just because of the, like, we're not that far off from the literally the complete opposite being true. And Patrick Kane leading the playoffs and fucking scoring every single year. Well, I think the big thing is it's like people don't know how to identify defense. Yeah. Because it's not a heavy hockey you need to play. It's defensively responsible hockey. Yeah. Where it's like defense. And the thing is, like, the thing that pisses me off so much about it, too, is, like, it's the, the analysts that always spout that crap, too, where it's like, oh, you need to be out there hitting guys, banging bodies. It's like, but then they will tell you exactly what is different about it. It's like, yeah, you just don't get any inch on the ice there. Like, everyone's moving up to take away the puck. It's like, yes, no, see, that is a tangible thing as to why scoring goes down in the playoffs. Yeah, and they also have failed to identify the guys like Anthony Sorelli, who's, like, actually the best defensive player on the Tampa Bay Lightning, or best defensive forward. Yeah, and it's just like, like things do change, but it's not because people are just 
hitting people three seconds after the game or after the puck went away. Yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Calgary did dominate this series, though. Uh, it did, should not have gotten seven. Jake Ottinger played out of his mind, which is always cool to see from a young goalie. It'll be interesting to see if he can take that next step up. Um, he was actually one of the guys – I want Ottawa to draft him in this draft year, funny enough. That was one of the few hmm. – I don't consider myself a prospect guy at all, but um, from what I had heard and just kind of read about him, I was like, I really hope Ottawa drafts this guy. And uh can't remember if he ended up getting taken before their pick or just they skipped over him. I'm trying to think if he went in the second round or not. 26th overall. Okay, yeah. So I think that was 2017. What draft was that? Um this doesn't matter that was, at all, but that was I our draft was, year. Yeah. Yeah. Ottawa said Ottawa picked 28th overall. So uh oh, it went up, yeah, two two picks before. But uh yeah, no, and Ottinger played great, which is always nice to see from a young goalie. Uh, it'll be interesting if he can take that next step. And, you know, he's 23 years old, so right where he should be, you know, kind of this is the prime years of his career, whether people want to admit that or not, you know. it's This is – he could be – I'm not going to go as far as the tweet I sent you that said, I hope he's the next Dominic Hassett. <laughs> Dominic Hassett. <laughs> <laughs> but – uh, if he's if he isn't one of those guys where he's kind of a perennial top five, top ten guy, you know, maybe like a Thatcher Demko range, where it's like, yeah, he'll give you, he'll steal games for you. He might not be the best of like Connor Hell, but you know, maybe he's even got like Connor Hellbuck in him. Who knows? Goaltending's so damn unpredictable that I wouldn't put it past him. Or maybe he'll be the worst goalie in the entire league. He, yeah, just yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who knows? But uh, it, was, it was cool to see from that perspective. Um, as predicted, the only line that did anything for that uh, the stars was their top line. Yeah, that was um, see coming. Yeah, like they they literally are built off of that line. I, this team, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. They're a bad team. Yeah, they're not <laughs> they're a, good a team. really bad team. I but hope they convince them. themselves that this was a success. Well, like they already resigned Pavelski, so yeah. At the and very they're probably least, leaning they, into it. Yeah, at the very least, they think the season wasn't not a success. Yep. So, um, yeah, and then our final series, I guess, is uh, Edmonton, L.A. This was a good one, too. This this one was very – I, I saw a bunch of people were like, yeah, no one picked L.A. to go take this one seven. I was like, what? Like, this is one of the that seasons I thought go seven. Yeah, that was one weird little thing. I don't know if, like, more traditional media just didn't know I, that L.A. I, was legitimately good. I think that's what it was too, because even like I think it was Lambert on Puck Soup was like, and he's very analytically inclined. Obviously, he's like, yeah, like I didn't really realize how good the uh, Kings were analytically until I kind of looked at it from my playoff preview stuff, and it's like, yeah, no, this was a this was a solid team. Yeah, I um, didn't start to realize it until around the time down. Uh, you got out there, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was. Oh, my internet's unstable apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was um I didn't realize it until around when we were talking about Dowdy being uh yeah. being hurt, looking into their numbers and being like, oh, they're like a real team. Yeah, exactly. And like Philip Deneau and uh really helped that team this year. And uh it was almost enough, you know. But I we gotta talk about Connor McDavid, man. I'm a I'm so happy he's finally getting the spotlight. You know, like every year they miss playoffs or they got eliminated in round one. And we watched McKinnon, like the special years he missed playoffs, we watched McKinnon tear up the first two rounds against bum teams or the first round yep. against the bum team and then lose in the second round. And everyone's like, is this the new best player in the world? Like, it's not actually yeah. McDavid. I'm so happy McDavid finally gets that spotlight because 
My God, I don't think I've seen a team. I, one single guy carry a team passed around that heavily since Eric Carlson in 2017. Yeah, that's probably the best comparable for it. Or like one one skater, I should say. Yeah, I don't even know what the next best one would be. Yeah, goalie, no, like yeah, Archer like, or whatever. But, but that was like, absurd. McDavid is uh, he's pretty good at hockey, I've read. Yeah, game six and seven, you could just he was like, "We're not losing this game. Like we're not, we are not losing at all." Yeah, it we're was like just two, two years out from is Braden Point maybe as good as Connor McDavid? Never forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But like. And I'm worried because, you know, he needed to do that because Dreisaitl had that ankle injury. Uh, and he does yeah. not look 100%. Like, game seven, he looked fine, but he looked like a shell of himself in terms of, like, getting back on the back check and stuff. Yeah, he was clearly not fully healthy. Yeah, so that'll be a big uh, big loss for that. Or not loss, but, like, he – you got to hope that this extra day's rest, you know, does him some good and that kind of magically heals because – I don't really see how Connor McDavid can solo his way around. I mean, like he's good enough. He could do it for a game or two against everyone, but this, this Calgary team's a lot better that they're going to need dry sidle playing close to hundred percent. Yeah. You're playing a team that's better than you to begin with. And you really only have two players. You can't afford for one of them to be hurt. No matter, even if your first player is Connor McDavid. Yeah, exactly. The other thing we have to talk about is how freaking smart Ken Holland is keeping Mike Smith Second in goal saved above expected this series, baby. 8.17, 6.38 goal saved above average. All you nerds are actually idiots for thinking he needed to go do something about the goaltending. The goat, Michael Smith. He, I don't know, man. He looked, I, I, the worst part, like, I didn't think he looked as good as his underlying numbers suggested. I'm wondering if it was. The least confidence expiring, inspiring 940 I've ever seen. <laughs> Literally, like it was just like he didn't look like I mean, there was games I thought he looked bad to be quite honest, but like I guess when you throw in um uh a two-nothing shutout to end, uh four-two yeah. win, you know, like an eight-two win, you know, and a six-nothing win, like that's the thing. When Edmonton won, they really dominated at parts of the series, which kind of makes sense. And I didn't think Mike Smith had to be like Mike Smith didn't have to be special to win six nothing or eight two. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you saw in this series very much the value of even though LA's underlying numbers and whatnot as an entire team were either close to or better than Edmonton, the value in just having your team concentrated in a couple guys that can completely flip the script. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I wanted to say. Uh, Quickly, off obviously on that the uh, the flame series as well with Dallas. There, shout out to Jake Ottinger for posting a nine fifty four and not winning that round. That's got to be up there. Is that as bad as the quick one? Uh, it is worse than the quick one, but it depends how you look at it. Because quick had I think a nine thirty and didn't win a game. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, Vegas's first year in twenty eighteen, the uh, Golden Knights swept the Kings in round one. Just skated circles around them like absolutely it was just night and day um but jonathan quick had posted in four games in the playoffs he posted a 947 save percentage and didn't win a single game 1.5 goals against and they lost every game basically one nothing to two nothing that's so funny 
I would say the quick one's still probably worse. I'm 9 The fact that I got in. swept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't win a game, and you stopped 95% of your shots. is just absurd. Yeah, that's tough. But, um, yeah, back to the Edmonton series, like, it kind of played out, I thought, how we thought. Like, Edmonton just had clearly the high-end talent, like the shooting talent that was better. So, when things got out of hand, it really got out of hand. But when it was a close game, the Kings really had the edge at times, I thought, with you know, with their depth. Yeah, both teams showed because I picked the Kings. I think it would have been plausible to pick either team, and both teams at different points in the series showed why it was reasonable to pick either of them. Yeah, I had Oilers at seven, and you know that's kind of that's how it played out. But I wouldn't have been surprised if the Kings took that game either. And you know, for LA, this is definitely the most positive I would say out of any of the teams that lost. This is, you know, obviously they would have rather win around, but this is good. Like they weren't, no one expected them to be here this year. So, yeah, they're playing out house money. Yeah, so the fact that you got seven games of experience for guys that quit in Byfield is huge. Yep. And, and honestly, they did this without Doughty and Victor Arvidsson for the entire series. Yeah, no Arvidsson, too, was tough. Yeah, so, you know, with him in, you know, that might have been the difference where they maybe they take game six or whatever. But honestly, with the way McDavid played, I'm not sure it really mattered. Yeah, they still probably lose, but maybe. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Edmonton Calgary, I think this should be a good one too. I think I'm going to go Calgary at six. I think I just, they're, they're the better team. If Dry Saddle was healthy, I could see maybe seven. Yeah. But, pending Dry Saddle's health, I almost want to say like Calgary at five. You could see four or five of this, to be honest. I think McDavid will win them a game. Yeah, so at least one, one game. game. But I'm worried about Mike Smith. <laughs> Mike Smith posted a 940 or whatever it was in the first round. I could see him just throwing up an 820 over like four games. Well, that's the thing, too. How long is that going to sustain itself? Right? And it's just like, I get you can say that about every series, but I feel a lot more comfortable Jacob Markstrom putting like a 910 up and just being okay versus Mike Smith. Like, Mike Smith feels like he's either going to put up a – 880, say, percentage, or a 925. Yeah, he's pretty boomer bust. And if you're Calgary, you know, maybe things regress for you at the perfect time here and you start lighting the lamp. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I wouldn't uh, exactly count this Calgary team as a bad offensive team or anything like that. No, not at all. um, Okay, we're we're going to have an hour, 10 minutes. Let's go through a couple pieces of news real quick. Uh, Two coach firings in the NHL. Uh, most recent one was Vegas. I didn't think this was uh, super unexpected. Uh, they part ways were fired Pete DeBoer. People were kind of expecting this after they missed the playoffs, even if it wasn't really his fault. Um, I think DeBoer is just kind of like a fine coach. Like, you know, you talk about all the time where it's the coaches that are, there's a handful of coaches that are really good. They make a difference positively. A handful of coaches are really bad. They make a negative difference. And then a 20 or so in the middle that just don't really do anything either way. I would kind of put DeBoer in that, that group. Yeah. He's just recycled guy. Number six. Like he'll, he'll show he's clearly good enough to take you to the playoffs with a decent team. You know, this team was injured to tail and back. Um, but I, I also, I don't think he's good. Like, I think when he comes up against good coaches in the playoffs, he doesn't do enough tactics anyways. That makes a difference. So um, I I don't really have a problem with them stepping away. Uh, people are already linking Barry Trotz to them. That would be the most Vegas thing ever. Just go get the, the next massive name on the market. Yep, go spend just a ton of money on it. 
Which, like, to be fair, sure, like, probably be good. Yeah, I, I would say I. So, and obviously, we haven't talked about why Barry Trotz is available. Uh, to me, this was the shocking move. The New York Islanders fire Barry Trotz. They promote his assistant too. Um, they keep Mitch Corn is staying. It sounds like in New York. Um, oh yeah, they yeah. It sounds like they kept all their coaches and everything. So uh, they promote Lane Lambert to head coach, uh, who is a Trotz's assistant. Um, they said they didn't need a different uh, voice in the room. Maybe like I, I get like. I think, honestly, this is one of the rare cases where it makes sense to me if you're going to fire the coach to probably keep his assistant because the Islanders desperately need whatever Trotz's system was that helped. Yeah, so, 100%. They need to keep that system in place because it was the only thing propping them up because they need better players in the room, not a different voice. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, you know, I've gone back and forth on Trotz. I think there's been some talk about how he's maybe overrated. There's been some talk about is he underrated? I think he's clearly a good coach that helps bring a defensive system for teams that need it. And that can help you win a Stanley Cup as evidence that he did three years ago and then took a quite honest, not a great Islanders team to back-to-back conference finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning in game six and seven, I believe. Maybe even two game sevens. Yeah, 100%. Like, I don't think it's physically possible to get more out of this roster than he did. No, I, I don't think so either. So I think he will get – if he wants to coach again, I think he will get a very uh, quick job offer. So He'll be the um, highest-paid coach hired this summer the second he wants to work again. Exactly. Um, I, I really don't have much more to say on this uh, news. Like, it's – we'll talk about the Islanders, I think, a lot this offseason too. They're a team that – I mean, they're going to have to make moves. They? Like, there's no way uh, – I shouldn't say no way, but – they had a 920 goaltender, 923 or whatever Sorokin was this year, and still missed the playoffs by 20 points. Where is this team getting better that they're going to make playoffs again next year if they don't significantly significantly improve the roster? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't think it's reasonable to have any faith in Lou Amarello overhauling this roster with no cap space this summer. No. I will say I thought his quotes were hilarious, where he's like, yeah, I didn't ask anyone. Why the hell would I ask anyone about making this decision? That was pretty funny. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, whatever you say. But uh, um, the other piece of news, quickly, and we we don't really need to talk about this because, you know, we talked about off-air. Pierre McGuire gets fired by the Sens. Uh, Just kind of funny. I talked about it a little more on my other podcast, the Last Word on Sens podcast. Uh, last week, and actually Jamie Noodles McClendon on that, uh, so I'll give a, a self promo on that one as well. But um, it's just kind of funny. It's just like everyone saw why this was not a good idea from day one, and it took the Sens eight months more than ninety nine percent of the population. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's going to be back in the booth too. I hope not. I. I don't want to wish bad on anyone, but I just couldn't stand him at all. Yeah. And especially maybe, maybe as like an intermission thing, but there's just so much better options of it. Like just give it to some analytics person or a forward thinker. That doesn't even have to be analytics, just non-dinosaur like him. Yeah, a hundred percent. That could actually break down X's and O's and stuff like that, right? So um, yeah. Somebody who can only, do more than just memorize elite prospects pages. Exactly, and know where guys high school was or whatever, right? Like uh, the only other piece of news there was, and it's I don't know, it is news, but Patrick Marler announces his retirement. 
for those of you that did what both Chase and I did and said, uh, is he still actually playing? Um, he was not. He did not play this year at all. He played 56 games in 2020-21 with the Sharks, uh, which obviously put him over the record and everything. Uh, did not play in the 21-22 season at all. Uh, finished his games with 1,779 career games, most NHL history, 566 goals, 631 assists, 1,197 points. Uh, yeah, like 1,197 points. A little sad he couldn't get to the 1,200 for that nice even number, but um, probably a Hall of Famer, I would say. Like, but definitely a Hall of Famer by the standards of what we have. Yeah, he's a Hall of Very Good. I would think that we'll get in. Yes, especially with the games played record. Uh, he has at least one gold with Canada. Yeah, I was going to say, if he wasn't Canadian, I don't think there would even be a conversation about it. But he is yeah. Canadian. so. And I think he's got at least one World Juniors gold as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think he was never like the best player in his position. But I, I do think there is something to be said for being just very solid for a very long time as well. Like, he was a top six player for 20 years almost, and then a bottom six player for three. And even in like Toronto in his first year, he threw up 47 points in 82 games. Like he was probably a borderline second line player on some teams. Yeah. For the first season, especially. Yeah. He was legitimately good, but it's just a question of where you want that cut off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I I wouldn't have, I'm not going to have an issue when he is, inducted in the hall of fame that's for sure there's definitely yeah, worse players to get in especially with the the games played or the that that is a big thing cool. right exactly it's like if you're looking at the hall of fame of like can you tell the story of 20 years the last 50 years of hockey or whatever and this guy's name comes up it's like if he's the game's play leader you kind of have to have him there right like yep yeah so. that's a cool little record so i don't really care about all the bs at the end or whatever but yeah, great career. 127 playoff points, 195 playoff games. Uh, obviously, was part of the San Jose teams forever that just couldn't get it done. Um, so that's unfortunate. But uh, wonder how his luck changed when he went to Toronto and Pittsburgh. I'm not sure. Oh, they didn't make it on the first round. That sucks. But no, uh, great career, obviously, from Hello. So uh, not surprising, I don't think, when everyone saw that he was making an announcement, he didn't play it all this year. Uh, and he didn't look good for the previous two years, but uh, an overall great career. One of the best, one of the all round, just like more best consistent players in the in the two thousands era. That's for sure. Yeah, and just really likable. Like as everybody hated him, he's one of the unfortunate players that shouldn't have been hated, but the salary cap exists, so he was like the devil in Toronto. But everything exactly. about the story of him being in Toronto should have been positive. Yeah, all the players love them, you know, the mentor stuff and everything, right? Yeah, so, and honestly, I, it, it kind of feels like one of those things where if it would have corresponded with them beating Columbus or whatever in the, the thing, I'm sure he would have got credit for like being the mentor that helped push them over the edge. But oh, yeah, there's alternate universes where all that shit's getting said yeah. in the media constantly. Exactly. So, uh, that's all. Uh, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. I mentioned my other podcast. That's available at lastwordonhockey.com or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, don't usually plug it on here, but I plugged this one on that one. And uh, last week's episode was really cool with uh, Jamie McClellan. He was nice enough to take some time for me. Uh, as always, you can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey666. And uh, you can find all his work at actionnetwork.com. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.